and welcome to episode 25 of the Saladcast for the season with myself, Ollie, and Glyn. And we're joined by a, um, a guest this week, Andy Davis. Welcome to the pod. Good evening, chaps. You okay? Yep, good. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, thanks for coming on the pod. No problem. Yeah, it's good to have another voice, isn't it, Ollie? I think. And um, it, it's Andy, I've known you for a long time, haven't I? We used to play football for the away sporters a, a long time back. And obviously, Ollie, you met him back in the day as well, I think. And um, it, it's interesting because the first time, well, taking away Dave Edwards, the first time we've technically had a professional footballer on the uh, on the podcast, isn't Ollie? So I think we've got two questions for you, Andy, before we introduce you a bit more, I suppose. First question is how did you become a Shooter Town fan, I guess? Uh, through my dad, really. He was a big town fan and is a big town fan. Um, so six year old, uh, which was the first promotion season with my first full season, really. So yeah, I went okay. sort of 30 uh, odd games, I think, before I even saw Shrewsbury Town lose a game. So, Andy, obviously, you've been supporting town quite a long time and uh, you, you know, you've seen a lot more games than me and Ollie have. So, what would you have down as your sort of best game during that period if you can narrow it down to just the one? I can't do one, it must be three. Oh, okay, go on then, we'll allow <laughs> I think, it. I, th- I think what got me into, into town, Big Star, was the Man City game, uh, 79, was six year old boy. Uh, wow. Snowy Wakeman end, still on a step with a with a flask of oxtail soup and my dad. The noise, <laughs> fedora, the romance of the FA Cup, uh, just brilliant, wasn't it? You know, two 0 victory, and you know that's how you get kids hooked, isn't it? Um, that was absolutely fantastic. Then the next game would be the away game would be the Ipswich Town replay. So I went with my dad. It was a I don't know what four hour drive from from Salop yeah. across to Ipswich. We got there really early. It's about five o'clock. So I must have been taken out of school. <laughs> um, and, we, and we got there and the uh, supporters bar at Ipswich, they wouldn't allow kids in. And so my dad was sort of looking for something to do. And along comes this gentleman, who I didn't know at the time. Um, he's known as the name of uh, Sir Bobby Robson. And so oh, wow. well, I'll, I'll take your son. You go and have a pint. He can come with me. I'll take him around the stadium. <laughs> I ended up spending the next two hours in his office, uh, eating a tub of Neapolitan sweets while he brought all the players in, <laughs> one by one, to sign my um, programme. What, what Fantastic. A oh, wow. You know, what a man. Yeah, legend. Absolute legend, yeah. So for that reason, I couldn't really separate the two. And the other one would be being there when um, Vic Cazul scored his goal against Leeds um, in the Ian McNeil area. I was training with the the first team squad at that point. So the likes of David Linnigan and Davey Moyes and uh, Dougie Bell and all those sorts of guys. So to see that goal live was was pretty special and the celebration afterwards. So fantastic! All those games before my time, but maybe maybe Ollie would have to get you, you Andy back on to talk about his time at the town, really, and some of those characters that were in that era before we started sporting shoes. But I'm sure a lot of the listeners' podcasts would be interesting. So maybe that's one to think of. Yeah, no, it was good. Yeah, a little bit before our time, but um, yeah, interesting. Some obviously interesting characters. Pretty good going, but obviously, as I just alluded to there, you were obviously at that point probably you know a pretty decent footballer starting to to think about maybe making your way in the game, and so yeah, obviously a few people from Shrewsbury might be aware of you, but just give us a bit of an overview of who you played for, your, your sort of career highlights. Yeah, so for all the way through, uh, I went to school at Much Wenlock, William Brooks. Um, so all the way through school, I was associated schoolboy at, uh, at Town, mm-hmm. um, right the way through to sort of sixteen year old really. Um, but at that time, Ian McNeil was manager. Um, he got the sack just before it came time for me to sort of decide where to go on my apprenticeship uh, and I think it was John Bond took over yeah it was a, it was a rather strange individual um, <laughs> <laughs> I, had a, I had a couple of trials elsewhere uh, I went to West Brom uh, I also went down to Torquay United for a week uh, and Cyril Knowles was a manager at Torquay at the time and after sort of two days he offered me a contract 16 year old took it straight away wow. and the rest was history really so an ideal scenario would have been to sign for your local team that you supported all the way through your sort of schoolboy life but it just wasn't to be and I guess when you're at the point where you're just about to leave school and there's not a lot of jobs on the offer then uh, 
you take what's there, really. So, <laughs> and yeah. from the accent, we should we should point out you ended up playing somewhere away from Torquay, didn't you? Yeah, if you need to interpret at any time, just let me know. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a mucky mixture accent, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, when Cyril got sacked at Torquay, he um, he ended up at Hartlepool and ended up saving Hartlepool from relegation in, in the old Division 2. Yeah. Um, uh, he gave me a call. My time, my two-year sort of apprenticeship was, a, was a, an end at Torquay. And the offer that they gave me wasn't particularly great. So uh, Cyril offered me a lot more to go to go north. Wow. A culture shock, yeah. So that's how I ended up in Hartlepool. Yeah, there you go. And, and we should just point out, you were, you were a defender, weren't you? Yeah, I was defender. We used to play. We used to play five at the back, to be honest. So there you go. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Perfect. Perfect so for this was, episode, uh, Ollie. Yeah, I was the sweeper of, a, of the five normally. That was my preferred position. So, <laughs> um, some familiar names used to play in front of me. Uh, Matty Elliott from oh, wow. Turkey was a was a big guy in front of me, and I used to pick up all the bits. My life was pretty easy, to be fair. But I think my <laughs> my career finished when the back pass rule was uh, abolished. <laughs> 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 oh dear! It's all right. You had you had a stellar you had a stellar career with the Shrewsbury Away Sporters. Then many years later, didn't you? So that that was fantastic. But it's it's good actually. I think you know we've we've had loads of town fans on. I know you you know Andy are a passionate town fan. You know just as much as me and Ollie are. So it's good to kind of get your view of your club and what's going on at the moment. But also, you've got that little bit of experience of of having been a professional footballer and some of the the sort of bits that maybe me and Ollie don't see. So it'd be good to maybe get a bit of that insight, Ollie. Yep. No, definitely. I'm looking forward to having Andy on the pod, and it's a, a good time in terms of. Uh, well, yeah, let's put it, we have two shots on target this week, so it'll be, um, be interesting to get into some of the detail. So, yeah, let's jump into the Doncaster game. This for 1-1. One, one. Yes. With less than five minutes to go, Ian Atkins keeps Shrewsbury's hopes alive. So the first game this week was uh, a trip to what were our sort of league rivals at that point in time. You know, there was uh, only one place and one point separating the two teams as we travelled to the Keepboat Stadium to play Doncaster Rovers on Tuesday night um, in front of 7,054. I think we probably took about 250-odd town fans. We'll ask Andy about that in a minute because um, he went to the game. But um, yeah, yeah. well, we'll start with that, really. I mean, just to say, I, I watched the game and I follow. I think you did as well, didn't you, Ollie? And, and Andy, you, you went to this game, didn't you? I mean, what, was it roughly about 250 town fans? Well, if there were 7,000 Donny fans, there was 5,000 Shrewsbury fans, because there was never 7,000 there. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it, was, it was empty. Yeah, the empty way in was empty, and so was the home end. Yeah. Oh, it was just, it was just Must a... be used including season tickets in there. Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. It was, it, there was never... There was never seven and a half thousand in that stadium on Tuesday night. So it's, it's nice to know we're we're not the only club that does that. Then, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Oh, there we go. And and so obviously, yeah, we, we obviously you were there, but we we were watching on on the iFollow. Um, this game was not worth ten pound, Ollie. So it definitely wasn't worth a, season, a ticket to the game. But um, yeah, do you want to run us through the team? So O'Leary came back in goal um, after the FA Cup game. Williams, um, Ebanks, Landall, and Pierre the back three, and we had Love and Goldborn as the wing backs. Um, Norburn and Paired Goss um, in central midfield, um, and we played. Played, um, the 3-4-3 um, with, with Laurent um, Giles supporting Odoa up front um, so yeah going into the game Andy you thought that this might be a you know a decent attacking town team I just thought we put a lot in on Saturday you know watching the game on Saturday and I follow and I just thought we put a, an awful lot into the game and the one thing for certain for me was there'll be, the, there'll be changes just to freshen it up and I was gobsmacked when I saw the team and gobsmacked I couldn't believe I put the same team out it's just <laughs> bizarre a bizarre for me yeah it is bizarre and it, it doesn't seem to like to rotate and bring players off as well subs are often quite late so yeah I was surprised the same team was going to play 
Um, and yeah, they put a lot in, and yeah, maybe it partly explains um, this very dour performance from Shrewsbury Town. Well, 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 maybe I'm reading too much into it, but like I always watch the warm up and take great interest in what they're doing before the game and, and sort of how the vibe is and all that sort of stuff. And it's the first time because I think the one standing block this season from the team that I've seen is the togetherness. There's yeah. been a real sense of sort of camaraderie, and I, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it's the first time I thought they were really flat and there was just something not quite right. I, I, I don't know what it was, I couldn't put my finger on it, but it was something to me that was just not quite right. Yeah, I saw that phrase used a couple of times at the weekend as well. We'll come to the second game about something not being quite right. But again, we're not in the change room. It's hard to know. No, but it's no. an interesting observation. And you know, you were there. It's an interesting observation because, as I say, yeah, normally they have been really with each other, aren't they? So yeah, not not great to see. And what's not great to see is um, Shrewsbury Town took four <laughs> minutes to concede a goal. Um, oh no! And this was. I think it's fair to say a quite poor goal to concede. Um, a counter-attack from Doncaster. Um, Ebank Standall heads the ball into the air. Max comes flying out and, f- and flies into the back of Pierre, um, leaving Ennis with a, an empty um, empty net to head into. So as an ex-central defender, Andy, how would you feel <laughs> if you were a part of this? Well, firstly, it's another ex-town player who's bound to score, so that was odds on, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, Max has to give him a shout there, doesn't he? That's the first thing. He needs to. I don't know whether he's got a shout. It's at the other end, wasn't it? So I couldn't. I couldn't say whether or not. Ebanks Landell got himself into a really bad defensive position, didn't he? He didn't need to be in there. He just needed to stay with his man. So I'm not quite sure why he came across, to be honest. Yeah, That's it's a bit all. unlike Ebanks, isn't it? As well, he's been one of our most consistent players. I suppose all three of the centre backs have been pretty consistent, haven't they? So you know, it starts to worry you when we've been getting good defensive performances, and whenever they do make a mistake, it makes it so much harder for us. Yeah, I think he's been outstanding. I think he's mm. been absolutely outstanding. However, the one knock on him, I think, at Sheffield United when he was there, and I would say again on Saturday when I watched the game against Lincoln, was he does get pulled out of position. He does get sucked in towards the ball. And if you're a little bit cute and the forward's a little bit cute, they do pop it past him. So that's the one watch out I would have at that level. Yeah, it's a fair, fair observation on eBanks. I suppose again, that, that's what professional eye that you've got. That other people haven't. I suppose as a as a just a general town fan watched the performance, I've been pretty pleased with him. But um, yeah, it, it wasn't wasn't a great goal to concede. And um, yeah, away from home again, chasing a game, thinking we don't score many goals. Ollie, you you do you do worry there. I mean, we we did try to get back in it a little bit during that half, didn't we? But yeah, you do worry about scoring goals um, because this was we've had twelve away games this season in the league. And this is our um, our seventh game where we hadn't scored. Brilliant. <laughs> um, so yeah. yeah, we're scoring. We've only scored seven goals away from home, um, and we scored three of those goals in one game. So yeah, scoring away from home is a serious issue for this team. We just had no fluidity. There was it was a perfect pitch. It was absolutely you know perfect playing surface. It was a bit blowy, but it was there was no excuses. It was just static. It was. There was no fluidity. There was no movement. There was no drive. No passion. There was. Just nothing. Yeah, it was yeah. absolutely nothing. We played Doncaster and um, Darren Moore's the Doncaster manager. And any time that Shrewsbury line up against one of his teams, there's always an extra incentive to win. I was a, he was a colleague of mine at Torquay. So All right. we, have a bit of, we have a bit of banter and I like to put one over on him. And it's <laughs> nice if uh, Shrewsbury, it was pretty embarrassing to be fair, because they were awful. Yeah, they Men, had a bad game. Yeah, they were, I have to agree they with were that. dire, absolutely awful, particularly at the back, the two centre-halves. Oh, they were awful. The goalkeeper as well, not that we tested him, but he didn't look particularly good either. We did nothing, nothing. No, no. no we had a bit of play, didn't we, from this point? Um, and this is where the Ricketts kind of cling to this in his post-match, where we had a bit of possession. But I think it's fair to say that we had possession, but as you have alluded to already, we, yeah, I wrote down that we were static and woeful. And yeah, OK, we put a, a, there was a Pierre header from a corner, and then there was a Giles cross and a fimble, fumble from the goalkeeper, but no one got near it. And yeah, We've already said it already. There was we had no shots on target in this game, nope. which 
is pretty uh, pretty awful. It's rare that is, Ollie. I've, <clears throat> you know me. When when a statistical anomaly throws itself up, I try and find the last time that happened. So I thought I'll go back game by game and see how many you know goal shots on target we've been having. We've had one in about four games this season, so that's not great either, to be honest with you. But for zero, I've gone back through this season. So far, I've gone back through last season. I've gone back through the Hurst season, and I'm going back into to that period where Hurst first took over. I cannot find a game, league or cup, where we had zero shots on target so far. So you're going back at least two and a half, probably three years since that's happened, and it could be miles back from there. I don't know. I'm going to have to keep checking on that on Monday. But to have no shots on target is awful. And you're right, there was a couple of moments that we had in that game. But I know you shared the XG of this game, Ollie, and it was just a flat line. We haven't even got to the second half yet, and no. There's, no, there's no point in really talking much about it because I think the second half, if anything, was worse. I don't know if you felt that, Andy. Uh, it, it, yeah, it was on a path. <laughs> it, it's quite unbelievable, isn't it? You know, uh, well, that's, yeah, it was just, it was just woeful. I, I think was raging I, at half time. And yeah, I was... it's the, it's the worst game I've seen in my career watching town play. Right. That's yeah, by far, by far. Um, I've left two games early in my time following town: Chesterfield away and Tuesday night. <laughs> that's it. That's how bad it was. <laughs> Oh, I stayed to the end of Chesterfield, but I may, may well have joined you on Tuesday night. I mean, we were the, the, we were watching on iFollow, and again, you know, we've been sort of led to believe through some various channels, haven't we, Ollie, that Sam Ricketts is a little bit annoyed about people calling his team dull and boring. And this is the first mention on this podcast, but you can't argue against it when you watch games like we did this week, and particularly this one with no shots on target. It was the most dull spectacle of football you could ever wish to watch. And, and I think Andy's fair in his assumption now. I'm not even surprised it's one of the worst games he's seen. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty awful, wasn't it, performance? <laughs> Um, and there was one substitute at half time, which yeah, I think I think it's fair to say everyone could have been subbed off, but Goss was taken yeah. off um, at half time. Did you hope to see anything a bit? Did you expect or hope to see anything better in the second half, Andy? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, in all honesty, no. I, I, I don't know what he can. I, uh, no, is the answer no. He, he mm. put Wally on, didn't he? And, and Wally was as bad as he was at Bolton. And that summed it up, really. Yeah, um, he's not doing very well at the moment. It was awful. I think I think mm. you're right, though. It's spectacle, isn't it? So you want to... I understand why he's set up the way he's set up. I get it. With the players he's got, there's a certain way of playing that he's playing. And I understand that. But from an entertainment point of view, you know, you know Finley's words to me at the end of the game were the only exciting part of the night, Dad, was half-time. And, and, <laughs> and, and that summed it up, really. And that's, yeah. that can't be good, can it? That can't be the right way to go. No, no. no. And Goss, you know, was subbed off, as you say. He took a big step back in this game for me. You know, he's had a few impressive performances over the last couple of months, really. We started to maybe see him getting to where you think he's going to be. But he was, like, I know know everyone was anonymous, but I think Goss did deserve that, you know, hook at halftime. He was by far the worst of midfielders, which is saying a lot because he was... Was he? Was he better than very. I thought he was really wasteful and he just had no impact on the game, Ollie. Yeah, but you know, no one had any impact on the game. No, I agree, I agree. But I thought he, I don't know, I was. I, I think I've just gone back and looked at my Twitter and I'd commented that I, he's the one I'd have off, off at half-time. But it's subjective. I can understand why people would say that the other midfielders were equally worth a subbing. Well, I think the thing was with Gossi, he played, he played one over-hit long ball, which yeah. he apologised for, and then sort of someone gave him a bit of a, a bit of a rollicking. And then he went into his shell. And that's the thing that bothers me. Is it if you've overhit one pass, I can live with that. That's fine. But go and get it again, and go and get it again, and go and get it again. But you don't go hiding. You know, mm. and I think that for me was the worrying bit, and that's the bit where I think he, he got the hook. Yeah. yeah. The trouble yeah. with Goss, though, and I guess in, in if I'm just going to try and defend him, he hasn't been <laughs> given a run in games. I don't know whether that whether that's a, a just justifiable kind of excuse or try to kind of not an excuse, but if you want to try and build a bit of consistency, you do need to play a few games. Yeah. 
I think there's a fair point to that, but at the same time, I'd also say go and grab it. Really, past, past that defence, there's no attacking or, or midfield player that has done enough this season to, to grab it by the balls and say, look, I'm an undroppable player in this team. Even if you like rotation, you ain't dropping me. And and yeah, he does like to chop and change, but no one's given him a reason to ever not do it. You know, not Norburn, not Laurent, not Goss, not any of the other midfielders, not Wally, and none of the strikers really either. So yeah, we can blame the system, but there is there is a big argument to say that the players could be standing up a little bit more to, to keep their place and they're not and this was a really good example of it yep yep can't disagree with that can't disagree with that <laughs> um, second half let's get through this one quite quickly yeah go on um, yeah interestingly about in terms of you mentioned about players being out of position um, for me Williams seems to be out of position quite a bit as well um, and at this point he yeah gave the ball away and only a poor finish from Williams basically stopped Tank and um, conceding straight away from the, the start of kickoff essentially mm. Well, it could have been four or five second half. We were sloppy, sloppy as at the back. We were two yards off. The marking from set pieces was, was awful. I mean, they had three or four opportunities to score and they probably should have, to be honest. Um, it was just, I don't know, we just seemed to be sort of two yards off the pace, not one yard. It was, it was bizarre, absolutely bizarre. Yeah, and you, you, you talk about set pieces. We'll talk. There was a bit of a moment before the goal where uh, Doncaster almost scored again, and Pierre probably did the one thing that got him in most people's top threes for man of the match, where he made an unbelievable block to definitely stop them scoring. Um, but yeah, you talk about defending set pieces, Andy, and again as a as a centre back, you must have been crying crying into your program when we when we scored the second. Obviously, a corner, bring everybody back in the box, like basically all eleven of our players in the box, but no one on the posts, and they still get a free header to score an easy goal. It's well, the, just livid. The, the corner before, I mean, Finley. I'll tell you, I was screaming, you know, the two yards the wrong side. They're not even touched mm. right, which is, you know, pretty basic, to be honest. And they should have scored the corner before. And then the corner afterwards, I think I turned around and said, told you so. This was coming. <laughs> you, could, you, you could see it. You could see yeah. it coming. We were just lackadaisical. And that wasn't wasn't a huge height differential, was it? It wasn't as though they were a land of the giants. But the, the whole corner setup is bizarre, isn't it? You know, nobody on the post and nobody on the halfway line. I mean, Udo was looking around. He's completely lost. Completely lost. Yeah. Frustrating, yeah. Ollie. Yeah, not not good, not good at all. Um, <laughs> and yeah, did you stay to the end? And for what what minute did you leave? Eighty-eight minutes, but it was five added on, wasn't it? I think he, I think they put the board up a minute early, and it was uh, five added time. And I was like, right, let's go. Talking about leaving early, what, ironically, considering the part of the world you're up in, um, I uh, only one of the only games I've ever left early from was at Hartley Pool away in the season we got relegated out of the Football League, where we played them and, and they were going for the title that day, and we went two one down like quite late on, and it was almost you know critical for us in terms of getting relegated. And I remember walking out of that Hartley Pool Stadium, the sort of ramshackle stadium, was walking down a road, just hearing Hartley Pool score a third, and I just you know it's always stuck with me that one. It's like I knew we were down that day really. So yeah, there we go. I, I have left games early, and everybody does, don't you? There's sometimes there is a straw that breaks the camel's back. It doesn't make you a bad fan, in my view. <laughs> no, it doesn't. No, you always want to support your team, don't you? I think yeah. that, you know, I always want to support your team. But it's been a long time since I've ever felt like really booing, and that wow. was definitely that at that point. Uh, so I think it was more about self-preservation, you know, because yeah. <laughs> it was really, really, really frustrating. Really frustrating. We'll get to booing in a minute, Ollie, at the Lincoln game, won't we? But yeah. uh, go on, there we go. I mean, what did you what did you make of Doncaster in general, Ollie, from watching that game? Um, I, yeah, as, as Andy's alluded to, they weren't a particularly good side, obviously nope. better than Shrewsbury. Um, but at least the one thing I would say about um, Darren Moore is, is at least he, he looks like he's trying to build something. At least yeah, he's got a yeah, little bit of identity with his team. Um, and, and yeah, it's really funny. You mentioned, obviously, before the game, we were really close to them. Um, they're now eighth um, in the in the division um, mm. with quite a big, you know, is it like seven places between? Um, yeah, that's, I don't know. It's quite a few places between us now, maybe eight places in the league. 
Um, and yeah, at least they're going in one direction. Obviously, they had a good good result again at the weekend. Um, yeah, anything else to add on on Doncaster, Andy? No, I just want to forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, let's let's get scrap this game up. I think it's fair to say, well, we had no shots on target and three shots in the whole game. Wow, um, yeah. which is pretty uh, pretty awful. Now, in terms of top three, it was pretty. It was almost beyond impossible to pick a top three. Um, <laughs> basically, these are guess the the third least worst players is probably the way of putting yeah. it. I put it. So I went for Pierre Goldborn and Laurent, um, just because I had to pick someone. Um, Glenn, who did you go for? Yeah, I think Pierre was Pierre for his block and, and generally his defensive play was the best. He tried to get us going forward a few times. One of the other ones looked bothered in the second half. But yeah, I went for Pierre as man of the match. Also, Goldborn was probably a little bit more effective than some of the other players out there. And again, the third was no one else really stood out. I thought Lang came on in the second half and did okay and looked a little bit more livelier than most were out there. So I gave it Lang. What about you, Andy? Yeah, I thought Pierre was outst- the outstanding player of the night. He put he's put his body on the line and he uh, he couldn't fault his effort levels either. Yeah. Goldborn for his moment of skill. That was the one moment of skill in the entire game where, where he sort of rolled his foot over the ball. So that was yeah. And then he got dragged, which is ironic. Uh, and, and then number three, I had Brad Walker. He never played, but he looked, he looked sharp at halftime. And um, he, he, gave, he gave Finn the kick of the ball, which was which was the highlight oh, nice. of the night. So, yeah, so Brad Walker for me was three. Honestly, it's one of those one of those games, Ollie, where I think Andy probably could have got a game second half. If you'd have, if you'd have been on the books, like Andy, even at your age, mate, I think you'd have, you'd, have, you'd have helped. You probably could have played up front and done more, but not good. I could have Doncaster. I could have played with Doncaster. I wouldn't have got a dirty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. And uh, there was another little twist to the end of the night, wasn't there, Ollie, where... Uh, yeah. you, Sam Ricketts did his interview post-match and uh, we, we had to do a bit of stats hunting, didn't we? Yeah, we did. So um, I'll go through it and I'll come back to it. So, yeah, extremely dis- he said, extremely disappointing. Thought players had the right to go again. Linking back yeah. to obviously the Bristol City game. Yeah, he said, you know, we took control for the game 25 minutes, but we didn't capitalise on it. Second goal of set-piece, disappointed. And he's looking. he was looking for a response performance-wise. But a really, really odd thing him thing to say and it did make it did kind of prick my ears up a little bit and he said we started badly it's really unlike us to go down one nil hmm, interesting. <laughs> interesting stat so did a little bit of research so out of the goals where there's been a got games of the where there's been a goal we have conceded first 14 times this season mm. which is 58 percent of matches on which there had been a goal and Oddly, I don't know why you couldn't remember this. We could actually concede it in the last four games leading up to up to the <laughs> game. So conceding first is something that he. I would hope that he remembers. I don't know if he's. He says he's analysing the games, but I'm not sure if he's doing something else at the same time. Because yeah, you'd kind of remember that we've been going down one. I don't know whether he's just struggling for things to say, but yeah, that was a bit of bullshit for the manager. Sorry, there was a Saturn Sky that said that we're one of the few teams in the in in England to once we've scored the first goal, we don't lose. Yes. Which was on, I think it was on Monday, actually, wasn't it? So I'm not sure yeah. whether he's got, did he not get confused with that and saw that on TV and just thought, <laughs> I'll throw that in. It sounds, it, it sounds positive and it will shut Danny up for the night and I can go home is probably what he was thinking, to be honest <laughs> with you. So, um, But it, it wasn't right. And um, yeah, I think I think the reaction to his interview after Lincoln was even worse than this because this was just like, yeah. hey, you got that wrong, mate. But the rest of it was all right, I suppose. But um, I, the one thing I wanted to just touch on before we finish this game is that he, he thought the players deserved to go again. And as I just said, when you covered that, Ollie, that was a mistake. And the thing that's befuddled me the most about this is that he spent pretty much the entirety of last season, once he joined us, moaning about fitness of players not being able to play Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. 
and then does that, does, doesn't does rest any players when it was his massive bee in his bonnet last season. So, you know, a little bit of stuff like that also kind of makes me think, do you say things for the sake of it, you know, playing to your own audience and things that were bothering him last season and now not bothering him? Because towards the end of the game, we, we hugely wilted out of the, the end of the sec- first half and the second half as well. And I think there was definitely an issue on our legs compared to them having not played. And so, yeah, big mistake that. And, and it does carry a lot of the result, I think. Yeah, it was very poor, very poor. And yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. Went into um, a, a game at home against Lincoln and, mm. yeah, kind of wasn't really expecting too much. Um, and, yeah, well, let's, let's go into the Lincoln game. Unless there's anything else for you guys to add after this Doncaster one? Nope. I'm going to stop watching games and I follow because it's always shit. That's my answer to that one. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll move on to Lincoln, Ollie. So following what we've just been discussing, which was an absolutely terrible game versus Doncaster, we followed it up with a morale-boosting, terrible game versus Lincoln City at home, um, which was 1-1 and was bloody awful again, to be honest with you. Um, Norburn scored for us, 36 minutes penalty, and then they scored on 48 minutes with a penalty. So yeah, very few shots from us, as usual in this game, Ollie's will come to, but yeah, attendance of 6,275, which to be fair, felt about what it was. Um, and yeah, going into this game, we were without a win in four, which is now without a win in five, Ollie. So... Obviously, we just talked about team selection there. There were some changes for this game. Yeah, there was. So it was nice to see Ryan Sears back in the side. So he was playing right, right wing back. Um, Williams, Ebanks and Pierre started again with a Lear in goal. Goalborn again, playing left wing back. We had Norburn <laughs> sitting this time with Lauren and Edwards um, alongside him almost. And we had Wally up front. God knows what Wally's done or what he's was got he? on Ricketts. Um, to start up front um, with Lang, which at least was a positive to see him play. So, yeah, so um, Worley, Lang, Edwards and um, um, Sears came in. So four changes um, to the Shrewsbury Town lineup. So, Andy, were you a bit pleased to see at least a few changes? Yeah, they had to happen, didn't they, based on yeah. the performance. It would have been, uh, he couldn't have just rolled the same 11 guys out yet again. <laughs> we could have done. It's, it's not beyond him, Andy. He's <laughs> quite stubborn, so yeah. Um, yeah. Not a good quality, though, is it? Not, no, not really. Not a good quality to have. No, it's not good. Um, so, there's not really much to say about this this game, to be honest. Um, it was pretty diabolical. Uh, <laughs> Pretty boring. Oh man, has enraged a lot of fans, um, and it's just mm. and it's interesting actually. Well, one thing we didn't mention actually about the Doncaster game is that the Doncaster game kind of caused a bit of an eruption of fans' reaction, um, which to a fan isn't that surprising, but seems to be a bit of a surprise to Sam Ricketts. There is for me a underlying of frustration from the fans. I think from when he started to now, all the way through, he's never really picked up results, and this season fans are just getting really bored, so I think that explains why the fan reaction on social media was so big and after this game, after another snooze fest it's just continuing I, I would say, you're right about that, I think that it, let's be brutally honest about it, this season has been, I reckon there's been like six, if you take out the Checkerstreet games, I reckon I've, there's been six good entertaining games with good shoes return you know performances you know even the games we've won like Sunderland and, and Portsmouth at the start of the year you know they weren't Black brilliant away. yeah they weren't brilliant performances but you got the results so obviously all this season so far yeah we've been riding a bit high 12th results have been coming and it's sort of masked people's annoyance with what we're having to watch every week as soon as it's fallen off a cliff in these last five league games you could see that that annoyance just has bubbled up straight away. And I think these two games this week have really crystallised that, Andy. What do you think? Yeah, I think there was, well, I think it was because there was only 250 town fans at Doncaster. It would have gone up on yeah. 50 for me. Uh, the fact that it's, you know, 6,000 town fans at home to Lincoln, there's a, there's a bit more exposure to it. But it was, uh, for me, it was far worse on Tuesday. At least, at least Saturday, <laughs> small grains of comfort and all that. I thought Lang was a positive. I thought Sears was a positive. I yeah. Thought, I thought 
Norburn tried to get things moving. I thought O'Leary was outstanding. So I do think there was strains of positive performances. There was nothing on, on Tuesday. So mm. at least you had a few bits. And, and I will say that you know it was a bit bobbly, wasn't it? The pitch wasn't the best on, on Saturday. It was a bit windy, so it wasn't ideal <laughs> conditions. But I just, I, I don't know. There's, there's no get-out-of-your-seat moments, is there? There doesn't no. seem to be any momentum no. or, you know, we, for, for 20 minutes we sort of kept possession, didn't we, after the, you know, before before half-time. But apart from, there was no real momentum behind that, though, was it? OK, there was a couple of penalty shouts, but there was no real momentum behind it that gets the fans out of their seats. It was just sort of, we kept possession and I thought Lincoln were another quite average League One team, yeah. you know, yep. for all these for all his comments around, they've got loads of resources and all that sort of stuff. I'm not really bothered about that. The Lincoln Interesting City, one. Interesting yeah. stat. How many away games do you think Lincoln have won all year? Yeah, terrible. They're one of the worst in the league, aren't they? I don't know what it is. None. Two. Two. Oh, well, two out of 15 for all their resources and all that. And also <laughs> yeah. they had, some, yeah. they had still have the Cowley brothers at the start of the season. So all this nonsense about resources and stuff, they still only won two, uh, two away games all season. We'd won three. But yeah, as you alluded to, not a lot happens. First half... Um, Beckles comes on for Pierre. That's a blow if he's injured for a while. Apparently he's yeah. sick though, so it's okay. Yeah, I don't, but is he sick during the game or before the game? Why did he start? Again, he's sick of playing question. football. <laughs> I think he's sick as in Poland. I think he's just sick. <laughs> sick, sick of this sick of to cover for everyone else, maybe. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah. 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 Hopefully he's back soon, though, because he is a massive player for us, Andy. Yeah, I think, I think he's probably got shoulder strain. He's been carrying the team for half a season. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, well, first kind of action really was from Lincoln. Um, Walker in for a shot on goal after Williams is out of position. Um, and it was the first of many good saves for Max in the game. Yeah. Um, absolutely nothing from town going forward whatsoever um, until Sears put a really good ball into the box um, and forced a punch from the keeper, which is probably the, the most kind of entertainment kind of a factor until 36 minutes in um, shooter time we're on the attack and there's a clear um, trip on E-Banks landing in the box um, and to give Norburn his credit it was actually a really good penalty yeah yeah it was I wouldn't say we deserved it but it was one of those ones where Lincoln had been equally as bad as us in that opening period I thought it was a very very poor start to the game from both teams um, and again a typical league one game where you thought actually yeah well, we might get this pen get a goal we might actually win this, you know, despite how sort of boring and negative it had been. But, um, yeah, good penalty. Um, Norburn's always pretty consistent on pens. I don't feel like he's going to miss, although I know a lot of people don't really like his, his the way he takes penalties like that, you know, driven hard and low. But does the job, Andy, doesn't it? No, it was, a, it was the first bit of quality of the game, to be honest. It was a good ball in from Sears, wasn't it? Um, yep. Nice bit of skill from Evans uh, in the in the box. It was a clear penalty in my eyes. I know some people thought it was soft, but I thought he... He took it. He took him down, and there wasn't a lot of complaints from the Lincoln players. Uh, and an excellent penalty from Norman. Yeah, I watched this back quite a few times um, on using the old slow mo as well. And yeah, it's clearly a trip yeah. on Ebanks. No real questions for me. Um, yeah, and then Trudy actually had that. She triggered Trudy into a bit of life. We actually started passing the ball and zipping it around, and a little bit of confidence in the team. We had a counter attack, and yeah, ball over the top into Worley, and. I've watched this back quite a few times and I thought it was a dive at the time and for me it was never a penalty and, and Wally dived again in the box. Yeah, I, you, it's got to the point with Wally where you think it's a stonewall penalty or it's a huge embarrassing dive and you should get booked for it and sometimes you're not close enough to be able to tell but yeah, on, on the evidence of, of seeing it back it looked like a bit of a dive again, didn't it? And he's got it in him. We see it all the time, don't we? Yeah, it's very frustrating and I don't know, maybe the question to maybe put this to you, Andy, like why is it, just for me, I find it odd. We've got an attacking player in our team who doesn't seem to want to get a shot on goal. He just seems to... And we've we've talked about this quite a few times with Wally now, where he's he's dived in the box rather than when he's got a good opportunity to try and get a shot on goal. Mm, yeah. 
It's frustrating. It's frustrating. I mean, do you, do, do you not think he's a different player to the Wally of two years ago, though? Uh, this is the point yeah. I was trying to make to you guys earlier. You know, they've talked about his, his speed and his pace and uh, his trickery and all that. I haven't seen that for quite a while, chaps. And, and, and you know, you used to see no. it on a regular basis, didn't you? Uh, in the, the shots, you know, the Milton Keynes away and, you know, various other goals that he, from long range, he doesn't seem to have that sort of in his locker right now at the moment. So no, he's, he's only scored one, hasn't he, this season? And and the the thing you just said before about oh, there's not many moments that get get you you know up your seats. A lot of fans still think Wally's going to do that for us. And whenever we're having these things, where it's like, well, what's our best team? What do we do? You've got to get Wally in there somewhere. He's our best player or one of our best attacking threats. I I think I would agree with you, Andy. And I've you know if anyone listens to this podcast, I've never been huge on Wally. Have I? You know, there's been spells where he's been unplayable for three or four games in a row, and I've given him his due credit, but. Yeah, two more years on from probably what was his best form. He's definitely a yard slower and just doesn't quite have the same impact on games as he used to. And and that's been consistent for pretty much most games he's played this season. It's hard to signal yeah. out Wally when everyone else is playing so badly. But, it's, you know, we're talking about it. I think it's a fair comment, Andy. Yeah. Well, I think we're singling him out, can't we? Because I think it's only him and Giles that are really difference makers in terms of their style of game, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah. Giles and Wally are only really the two players that can go get around the outside of people uh, technically. Um, we haven't really got that pace elsewhere. So those are the two players you're looking for to, to be difference makers. And I don't think... Giles has been pretty inconsistent for all these flash... You know, a huge a huge amount of potential. And I mm. just think Wally's confidence is low. I don't yeah. think he, he looks fully... Co- I couldn't believe... I thought he was he was bang average at Bolton. No disrespect. Uh, I thought he was awful at Doncaster when he came on. Um, and, and how do you get a start? I don't understand. No. I don't understand how you get a start based on those two previous performances. So if I'm sat on the bench, whether I'm 60% so Cummins or, or Edwards or you know the guys that were sat on the bench at the Bradwell, I'm, I've got to be thinking, hang on a minute, how do you get a start? How, how, yeah. do, you get, how, how do you get a start? What is it I need to do to get a start in this team? And, and that's not even mentioning guys that didn't even get a shirt. Yeah, we'll come to Faye when we get to transfers. But if I mean, to, I'm almost making this point now is, I don't know, if there's like a WhatsApp group called the Real Strikers of Shrewsbury Town, so Lennon, <laughs> Cummings and Fajiri and Ado going, how is how is Wally getting ahead of us um, on a week-on-week basis? Because <laughs> it's, it's... he can't finish, um, he's not a natural striker, um, and yeah, he makes these kind of decisions. Especially when I think Ricketts was trying to make a point that he played two strikers in that game. But, you know, if you're going to make a point of it, take, play two actual strikers. You know, that's yeah. the point, you know. And again, it's pr- proved that that was a poor decision. Wally was massively une- ineffective in this game. And when Cummins came on, you know, he, he did a little bit, didn't he, in that last period, which we'll come to, and probably showed maybe that it might have been a better idea to start him. But in general, for that half, it, it was awful, wasn't it? And we can just get to the half-time now because I don't want to talk this game for too long. But <laughs> it was just really dull. And we should just say again, we talked about having had no shots against Doncaster, but by the time we got to half-time, we scored a penalty. We won one and up. Great. That's fantastic. But we had no shots of open play. So you, you go in, you know, past 110, 120 minutes of shots on target. None of none of them, you know, before before you know before we actually get another one on target. And it took even ages into the second half to get one, didn't it? But it, it was dire. And they, they were average. And I, I just, I, I was really oh. unimpressed with it. Even though we're winning, I still was not entertained at all. But what's our way in, though? So when you're thinking about an attacking format or a plan or whatever you want to call it, whatever Ricketts is using at the moment, what's the way in? So do we get round the back? So we haven't got that. And can we play the ball into the feet? We haven't got that. Because if you play against us, we've got one man up top and we just shield that money. It's impossible to get the ball into his feet. Norburn tried 
on a number of occasions on Saturday and Tuesday night to try and feed the ball in, but it's just no, there's no way through. He can't play so, those balls. Well, it, it doesn't matter who it is. If you can't get through, mm. you can't get through. It yeah. doesn't matter who you are. You could put, you know, put Glenn Oddle in there. He wouldn't be able to play it through. <laughs> because you, you, there's, there's no way through. There is no way through. The movement's not is not robust enough. We don't switch over. They're not changing places. No, there's no interplay. There's no swapping over. There's nothing there. So you, no. you're never, you're never going to be able to start. There's no pivot to start from. I almost feel sorry for the midfield guys in some respects, to be honest. I feel sorry for a lot it. of our players. Yeah, it's it's depressing to watch. It must be depressing to play in. Yeah. It's, it's seriously not good. Do you, do you think as a professional footballer it's going to bother, it bothers, it bothers them consistently playing with this handbrake on, slightly negative tactic? Because, uh, you know, does that begin to break as the season goes on, Andy? Yeah, I think because you know where your outlet is. If you've got someone on the left, you know, I used to play football. I think about playing with Torquay. There used to be a guy on the left called Paul Hirons from Bristol. And you yeah. knew that first time I get the ball, I look up and you'd switch play and he'd get it to me because a bit of magic and he would do something. You know, you used to have a guy on the right hand side, Paul Hall, who went to go and play on with Jamaica and Warsaw, Coventry, and, you know, a successful career. And he was the same because you knew that you do your job, get the ball to their feet and let them do their thing because that's their job. It's mm. the flair. And they may lose it two out of three times because that's what you get from wingers from time to time. But at least they had the confidence to go away and do it. It feels as though we're just so safe. We're frightened to make mistakes. And guys that should be trying to get around the outside, your Wallies and your Giles, they just don't seem able to do that right now. And we need more nope. options than that, don't we? Because you can't go through a season with just two people that have the ability to get around the back of defences. It's just not feasible, is it? No, and it's more frustrating all. when we talked about this at the start of the season, Ollie, didn't we? We have, we have no options on the wing and it's going to cost us and, it, and it's starting to look like that, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's not just the wings. And we'll come on to it no, a little more. We'll yeah. talk about Ricketts, like Ricketts' style um, yeah. and the football later. But yeah, I think the, the fact that we can't build anything either from central areas with good central midfielders, um, as, as, as Andy's alluded to there, is, is a frustration. Um, and talk of frustration, let's just batter through this game. So... <laughs> Um, Beckles is out of position and ball comes to a Lincoln player in the box. Um, Beckles, for me, gets a toe on the end of it and he kicks the ball away and then the player runs into him and then the referee decided to give um, the Lincoln a penalty. For me, that was never a penalty. I don't know what you guys thought on that one. No. No. No, Ollie. No No. penalty. (laughs) Cool. So let's let's batter through this one. So, yeah. So this point, it was one all. A good penalty from Walker to to make it his 15th goal of the season. Oh. Um, and there's a shot wide from Lang, um, another good save from from uh, from Max, um, and then there's another good save from him from a corner, um, and load, then yeah. Walker had another shot and another good save from O'Leary, um, and yeah, again um, we were getting talking and again about how bored we were. Fans were leaving early. Around me in block 17 was just like so many empty seats yep. by the by yep. the time we got to even 10 minutes before to go. And there was audible chance from block 19 of boring, boring rickets. Yeah, I wanted to cover this. There was the 4-4-2 chance first half just before we scored, interestingly. So, and then they sort of went away once we scored and had that little positive mirror. So so there was already like a, an angsty kind of feeling in the ground before we scored that penalty. And that kind of went away. But as the second half went on, and particularly after they scored, it, it got worse. There was much murmuring and sort of dis, 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 disgust at some of the things that were going on, I suppose, by some of the fans around us. And then, yeah, you got the boring, boring Ricketts chance, which were a bit interesting. And then booze on full time, which was which was reasonably audible. And then one of the more interesting things I found was, and you were there, Ollie, standing in block seventeen with me, is that as Ricketts came over to clap the West Stand as he usually do, there was a specific booing of Ricketts again. Yeah. Not, not there was huge. this one guy that came over from oh, a but the eighteen, and he was yeah behind, came behind me and was yeah shouting and telling him to um to go somewhere. Yeah. 
And and you know, we're not talking ASCII-esque reactions or you know some of the stuff that Mellon got at that Chesterfield game. Andy mentioned in his introduction, but you know, you know, we've come to Ricketts Ball and the reasons for why it's there. But it's it's entertainment and now performance. You know, both of those things have gone away and it's starting to become an issue. And you know, we're not. You know, I've seen people saying Ricketts out after this game. You know, I'm not even going to start to approach that because we're way off that in my view. But there's a growing sense of unease, I think. And um, it's definitely noticeable at the games now, isn't it, Andy? Yeah, I think I, I haven't been in that camp in terms of... I haven't no. got to ask, ask yes proportions, has it yet? No way. But I will no. say that the, the two things that worry me, are, number one is his comments both after the Doncaster game and after the Lincoln game. Those worry me. They really do. Uh, you can probably talk about that in a minute. But yeah. reluctance to change... So, you know, if you're going to play the same formation the same way, prepare the same way, his words, you know, for every game, it's not going to work. People will no. trust you out and you become too predictable, too boring, too dull, exactly where we are. So I think that I have a level of sympathy because he hasn't got the players to play flair football. He, he simply hasn't got it. But he's got four strikers at the club, play two up top. You can still play yeah. your five. You can still play your three and, and be solid defensively with the, with the eight that you've got there. But, but at least put two up top and give them something to think about. And if mm. you have to go a little bit more direct, particularly during the winter months when the pitches aren't as great like they were on Saturday, then at least they'll cause them problems, particularly now Lang's back because he's a bit more of a presence, isn't he? Yeah. He can hold the ball up. He's a bit of a nuisance. And whoever you play alongside him, out of the other three, it, it, you know, take your choice. But at least yeah. you're causing them a problem and giving them something to think about. Because at the minute we have no outlet. There's no, no. outlet ball. No outlet ball at all, which is why teams take over games. The Doncaster... And Lincoln, average teams of that nature have dominated the second half in, in two consecutive games. That, that's yeah. simply put. Simply put, we've taken one point from two very poor, very, not very poor, but poor teams in this division, or, or teams equally as poor as we've been recently, and and that isn't good enough. And it's, it is worth reflecting. You know, as I said, we were waiting for that first shot in open play to come. Um, for it to be on target and it took until the 87th minute and it was an overhead volley from Josh Laurent from outside the box that went straight at the keeper with no pace on it and I thought we shouldn't really count that you know it should <laughs> technically you know without that one chance we'd have had no shots on target in the whole game from out from open play and it would have been two games in a row where that's happened and that is unacceptable in anyone's book really but there we go it was an awful game both games were awful this week you know yeah. the Ricketts cannot complain about the tag of this team boring and dull and and, and the performances are there to prove it at the moment so yeah there we go, Ollie. That's all I've got to say on that. <laughs> yeah, and and Ricketts can get annoyed as all he likes, but um, yeah, when you when you score less goals than games, we're at one point nine two goals per game now. Bloody hell! Um, the average in the league is one point three, so you know we're not seeing a lot of goals. And until he starts scoring more, he's gonna he's gonna get keep asking that questions all the time. Yeah. Um, before we get to Sam Ricketts' comments, um, top threes. Um, do you want to go first, Glenn? He, he, earlier, he was clearly man of the match. He got the sponsors man of the match. He made a, at least five really good saves. One of them was absolutely brilliant down low in the first half. I remember that was a very special save. Um, I went for Lang second because I thought, a bit like when he came on at Doncaster, he can be a bit of a difference maker. You know, he was still feeding on scraps a lot of time, but he does well with it. He's strong <clears throat> and, and quite robust with holding the ball up. So, yeah, I was quite impressed with his performance. And I thought, I thought again, third place was quite difficult for me. Again, I went for Cummins just because he looked lively when he came on. Cool. Andy? Yeah, O'Leary clear number one, uh, Lang number two. And then it was a toss-up between, I thought, Sears added a bit of quality. Mm. Um, and I thought at least Norburn had a bit of endeavour about him, but it was it was number three. Was, it was not a lot of candidates, to be honest. <laughs> it was tough. Um, I went for O'Leary and then Sears just because he didn't really make any mistakes and he put a few decent balls in. And, and also, yeah, I think, true. probably the kind of the uh, multiplier effect of coming back from injury and played the full 90 minutes. Um, and then Lang, 
um, I went third. Um, who got obviously town fans booed, and I saw Lewis Cox reply to that on on Twitter. I don't think that people were booing so much that um, the Lang, you know, it was obviously had a metatarsal injury and he was coming back. I think fans are just taking any opportunity to voice their displeasure at the manager. Um, I, th- was... I think it was one of those ones where they really wanted to see two strikers on the pitch, didn't yeah. we? Once it got 1-1 and, you know, just swapping one striker for another and leaving Wally on there to, to flit around like he was, just it wasn't what fans wanted to see. No. So no one was booing Lang going off. He'd been good. No, exactly. Cool. So what did Sam Ricketts have to say? So um, <laughs> he, said, uh, he said he couldn't ask any more. Um, it was really windy and the pitch didn't allow for passing um, um, and the, thought the players' attitude and effort was excellent. Um, we struggled to break a team down, mm, really, um, and um, really hard to create spaces around that centre-half. Not, not a lack of desire from our team. Um, he was asked, is it a concern that you struggle to create chances? And he said, no, people are getting carried away. You're getting carried away, Glint. We've all got um, carried away on this podcast, haven't we? We have. Yeah. Well, every, all the Shooter fans are getting carried away. Um, <laughs> he then had to say, Lincoln have big resources. Again, we go back to the fact they've only won two games away from home all season. Yeah. Um, and he said, we have no divine right to win games, which I don't think anyone has ever said. Let's make you wonder why we should bother going to Fleetwood. <laughs> well, there's absolutely um, there's absolutely no chance I'm going to Fleetwood. So <laughs> good chance you won't even score. Um, oh, so he said, then he was asked about Goss and Faye, and he said, I had to pick a team. I can only fit so many into my squad, and that's why they weren't there, which didn't really answer the question. Um, and he said, we're trying everything to score. Um, and then another <laughs> interesting comment from him said, we are a young group. And he's mentioning this young group thing, yeah. which, to be honest, is bullshit, because... If you take the team, the average from the team that started on Saturday, um, you've got an average age of 25. Um, mm. And in there, you've got um, I mean, Ebanks is 27, Pierre's 26, Norburn's 27, Goldburn's 31, Edwards is 33, Lawrence 24, Wally's 32. And yes, you've got, um, got four 21 year olds, so Leary, Williams, Sears, and Lang. But Andy, is 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 that a, for you? You know, from your playing, if you were playing that team, would you would you be thinking you're playing with a young team? No, not at all. No, <laughs> they're, they're not green. Are they? They're savvy. They've got enough about them. They know what it's about. They've been around the block. Most of them, even the younger lads, have had plenty of game time, haven't they? Yeah. Young yeah. teams are the likes of you know littered with under twenty one players. That's when you're talking about young players, and you know it's just I don't I don't know where them comments came from. To be honest, um, he needs to focus more on his own team not on other teams' resources. If he realises that the pitch is a bit bobbly, then change the way you play. This is the point I'm making, really. If you mm. go out into a pitch and it's not conducive to passing football, then why would you try and play, if that's what we were trying to play, passing football? Then <laughs> yeah. ch- why change play up, Wally up front? Yeah, yeah go go direct and, and, and just play the play the conditions that you've got. I just I, I find all of his comments after the Lincoln game just, uh, yeah, just a bit befuddling, to be honest. Um, uh, and a bit worrying, yeah. yeah. I mean, the whole, I can't ask any more of the lads' desire and effort and application or whatever it was. I mean, I could. I mean, there's a lot of things they could have done better in that game and, and, and you know, take away the bloody conditions. I, you know, a lot of them are trying hard and are running around a bit, but, you know, it's how you apply yourself in that situation. You can't just run around like a loon and, no. and not really affect games because, to me, you could ask more from a player if that's what they're doing. But there's effort and there's effort, Glenn. And if you sit down yeah. on a Monday and they'll sit down and they'll do a review, hopefully, and watch the DVD of the game and you're sat there with your teammates and you're watching it, uh, lads know. Lads know who are putting it in and who are not. There was an instance on yeah. Tuesday at Doncaster where Wally give the ball away and he ran back and he ran back, yeah. Uh, but if that's his fastest, he's doing 100 metres in about 16 <laughs> seconds. And so there's a difference, isn't there? There's a difference yeah. between doing it because you, you have to do it and doing it because you want to do it. And, and that's the bit I don't see right now. There's, a, there's, a, there's been a bit of a change somewhere. 
Um, mm. And you can figure that out for yourselves. Yeah, it was one of those post-match interviews, Ollie, which didn't leave anyone particularly impressed. And and uh, and the weird thing was that the, the Shoesby Town Twitter account chose the quote about couldn't ask any more as their sort of headline quote and some quite hilarious responses on Twitter yeah. to that. But um, well, What else did they say? They called it an open encounter. I've never <laughs> heard the term open encounter before. And I did ask them what that means, but um, I didn't get a response. Oh, well. Well, you'll you keep, keep asking, Ollie. There we go. That, that covers Shrewsbury Town this week. It wasn't the greatest week of football we've ever seen. We got a point. I suppose that's a, a slight positive. It means we probably won't get relegated. Um, But, you know, we are looking over our shoulder a little bit more than I thought we would have done this time six weeks ago. And um, I think we'll, we'll leave the, the re- review of the game and what we've sort of spiralled off talking about. And we'll just move on to a little section which you've termed Ricketts Ball, Ollie. So we'll move on to that now. And there's an opportunity that's headed in by Gavin Coward. They're back in front. So, Ricketts Ball. It's it's not money ball, that's for sure. Um, yeah, Ricketts Ball, Ollie. We, we've kind of heard this term come a few times from a few fans, and uh, we thought we'd use it for, for this podcast, really. I, and think it I created it, didn't I? Yeah. Oh, you, you claiming it, like I claimed I'm hashtag yeah. of this team. <laughs> um, but it's it's more just a, a summary, really, of a year and a half of Sam Ricketts. And, you know, as Andy's been uh, pains to point during this podcast, his inflexibility to move from a style of football. And whether that is the fundamental reason people have, have lost their rag, really. And so, yeah, I don't know. Where do you want to come at this from, Ollie? So, yeah, for me, it's just like you're at the games and they are really, really boring um, mm. games of football. We're playing really, really defensive football. And for me, what is Ricketts Ball? Ricketts Ball is boring, boring football. And from a fan's point of view, you know, you just not, you, you don't get a sense of how we're going to score goals. And it's really good, Andy, being on, on the podcast because maybe you could kind of um, offer some kind of insight or some maybe solutions <laughs> to what we could actually do um in terms of scoring goals um you know we are the second worst goal scorers in the league um yeah. with bolton um down there we're the second worst in the league and yeah it's it's odd isn't it we just don't create many chances in the goal. You know, this week we've had two shots on target yeah. in two games um which is really really poor and i don't know andy like from a from a tr- i don't know when you look at this team play do you get any sense that they work on attacking in training <laughs> it's a genuine question like because um, i'm just not really sure what they're working on. i'm not sure what their philosophy is what is his philosophy apart from not trying to concede so there's, there's two things that struck me the other week when i we were talking to some friends at a game it was bolton you watch these guys warm up we have some technically talented players seriously technically talented players yeah you know when you watch all of them and they're doing the keep ball sessions and they're sort of going for the warm-up progressions you know, they've got some excellent footwork, touch, you know, technically gifted players, seriously. And, and then you watch the game, uh, and Bolton would be the example I would use. So once the guy had been sent off for the last 40 minutes of that game, it was basically an attack against defence exercise, wasn't it? So they didn't, yep. they didn't get out of their half. And as a centre-half for Bolton must have been thinking, please don't bring another forward on, please don't bring another forward on. OK, mm. don't bring another forward in. I've got one person to worry about. We've still got the spare man. It must have got the byline, I don't know, half a dozen times. But on each occasion, in all you know, respect to sort of Giles and Wally, they didn't have anybody to hit because there's nobody in the box. You know, even yeah. you know, sort of even at that occasion there where the likelihood of being exposed or taking a gamble, as I heard on Saturday, you know, is, is minimal. He's still not prepared to put that second striker on, even at the you know, at the very death. And I think that's where it's all sort of kicked off in terms of unrest and players not being happy and, you know, obviously looking at the exit door because I think it's just ridiculous. That's the bit where I understand his theory on football and what how he wants to play, but there's certain times where circumstances lend themselves to saying, Right, let's just go for it. And, and that's the bit. You've got twelve hundred town fans behind the goal. You know, and it's all right waving your arms at them, saying get get behind them, but give us something to to get yeah. off our seats. You know, give us something. 
Because I agree. It, it, one works with the other, isn't it? It's a yin and the yang, and it, that's the bit for me where I just thought, really? Come on. You know, there's, mm. there's being safe and there's being a little bit more yeah. pragmatic and there's looking at the game and thinking, right, what do we need to do here to get three or four goals? Because they were there, weren't they? They were there. Yeah, Bolton speaking. for me was a big marker. Yeah, it's it because up to this point, we were like, you know, in a nice, I think we were 12th or something like that around this time. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and we'd had the Blackpool and the Coventry wins were still kind of fresh in the memory. Um, but for me, and I've always seen that obviously Ricketts was quite defensive, but he's like kept talking about this process and we're going towards something. So I was kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt that, OK, he's working on defence and we're kind of becoming a very strong defensive team. But for me, Bolton, when we had three central defenders marking one lump up front, who, you know, he's a decent striker, but he ain't gonna, he's not going to win a foot race. Why don't we take one of them guys off or at least allow one of them to push forward and, yeah, have that second striker? So, for me, Bolton was a bit of a marker of his conservatism. So, yeah. ask, ask yourself this then. Sorry, Glenn. So, ask yourself this. So, if they just scored the, the goal or, or got two goals and celebrated behind the goal with 1,200 Salopians and the feel-good factor coming away from Bolton, if we'd have only got one point for the next two games, there wouldn't be this... For all, because you've built up that bank balance of what do you know yeah. what we we have got it in the tank to go after people. I mean, yeah, okay, we've had two dodgy games, but it's a culmination, isn't it? It builds up, doesn't it? it the frustration yeah. builds up over time, and I think that was just a missed opportunity. As it I was, think the bank know. thing is a really interesting point about the fact that for me, Ricketts hasn't got anything in the bank because he came in last season and he didn't really improve the results, so people were a bit skeptical, and now we're not. Yeah, this, it's it's in- interesting, isn't it? So yeah, what's your thoughts, Glenn? <laughs> Yeah, that Bolton situation is is a is a really good marker when we talk about Ricketts ball. And that you compare that to what happened to Accrington early in the season, where we were we weren't playing ten men, um, but we were playing an Accrington team that had gone in on themselves, went really defensive, and he he went balls to the wall and put two strikers on up front, quick lads, Faye and Faye and Ado, and we ripped them. Last twenty minutes, we ripped a good Accrington team to put apart and won away from home three two. What frightened him so much about that 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 night? What what made him think of the South End game when we lost quite conceded quite a few? I don't Possibly, know. yeah, but but it's 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 like Andy said, is like a fan would rather see that. Do you know what I mean? You know, the, the chances of them carrying us at Bolton and scoring were almost zero, really. Let's be honest about it. Um, but you you've certainly put your odds up by playing that second striker, and he, he's shown in some games, he's put some of them last season as well, where when he went for it a little bit, we we did do it. It's just it's just too conservative, and he never he never wants to seemingly do the accurate thing too often. So uh, that's my problem. I, well, I'm getting frustrated with his comments at the moment, where every interview he says we had good situations. That's brilliant. It'd be nice to have, you know, shots on target and goals rather than just situations. Yeah, and, and just going back to the, you mentioned, you know, so we've got, for me, good central midfielders, Lauren, Edwards, Norburn, um, Goss, um, good technically technical players. I, I don't know, one option would be to actually try and pass the ball and try and attack through the centre. I, I don't know, Andy, is that something that, do we look like we can we could do that? Like, you know, try and pass the ball to feet? Or do you think we do need that extra striker? But but when they've got the ball to feet, they can pass it. They've got the ability. There's no doubt that Goss is a, he's a gifted player and, and Norbin's talented and Edwards, you know, speaks for itself. But it's the option after that, isn't it? Mm, where, do yeah. you, where do you go? So the only thing they have to go is, is sideways or backwards. There's no option to go yeah. further forward. And it's OK. I've heard the people bandying about saying, oh, Udo holds the ball up well. And I think he, I think he, he, he tries and he's got, you know, there's definitely potential there. But he's not the finished product by any means. And no. if he's your only option and he's your only out ball, we're, we're never going to dominate games or impose our will on other teams. It's not going to happen. It's not no. going to happen. It, and there's not a centre-half pairing in the league, one that's going to look at that and go, oh dear me, we're in for a, a tough day today. Because you, you've still got two on one. It's, it's, it's an easy, it's easy, it's, to be yeah. honest. I, I would, you know, well, I don't, one, I don't one, get it. 
No, one of the things you're talking about, you know, that midfield transition and, and whether we should be looking at playing those passes through. And we talked, I talked a little bit about Norburn where I was sort of a bit scathing where I said he can't play that pass and, and find someone, Nolan-esque. And we had a few questions this week. We'll come to a few of them as we go through. One of them was from uh, from Dan, he's, uh, Danny Hoff, who's played for the Way Sports as well this season. He's a, he's a nice guy. But um, yeah, he, he asked us for, for the podcast. He said, yeah, he didn't make the game today, but he put my mortgage on the problem centering around Norburn. Everything seems to go through him, yet he takes just a split second too long to pass the ball. I like the way he wants it. I like the way he puts his foot in, but the extra second he takes the ball sometimes really kills us. People like Dave Edwards, Giles and Laurent can't play their respective natural games as everyone's timing goes when Norburn holds onto it. Problem is that Ricketts has pinned his colours to Norburn. Clearly he thinks he's what we need, but without a Nolan in front of him, we become part. it becomes part of the attacking problem. And I think that's a fairly interesting point. I, I think there's a quite an interesting split on Norburn where a lot of people would agree with that and, and I'll get your views in a minute when a lot of people disagree with it but you know is is it one part of a much wider problem maybe Norburn's you know passiveness on the ball sometimes I don't know what do you, what do you think Ollie we've talked about Norburn a lot but about that specific point yeah I, I don't know why he always likes to put his foot on top of the ball it seems like mm. a an odd technique um, but it did it was interesting I thought I felt like everything had to go through him on Saturday which just closed things down um he did have obviously Edwards and, and Laurent to pass to, but I can't really think of many times where they played any one twos. And as Andy alluded to, if you, you've only got one up front and someone who else who can't hold up a ball, um, it's just, we end up going down a bit of a cul-de-sac and then coming back, which which causes the fans to groan. Yeah. What's your view? What's your thoughts on Norburn, Andy? Uh, I think he's a good technical player. I understand where the frustration lies, but it's it's pretty easy to figure out if you watch the game. It's his left foot. He doesn't use it. So, <laughs> so when he's pivoted to the left-hand side, so if he comes out of play from Pierre that way or from Giles or from Goldburn, it comes into him on that side, it does slow it down because it takes... Yeah, it does. He, he has to sort of come all the way back round. He can only go one way. I counted um, once uh, in the last two games he's used his left leg. <laughs> there you go. And he's a, a beautiful ball down the line. Um, to 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 Rudo, so it sort of beggars the question: Why doesn't he use it more often? But mm. if you watch the game, when he does slow it down, it's because he he sort of pirouettes and goes back yeah. on his right yeah. foot. Um, yeah, he just put the ball. It, on, it, it's his, all all one way. All he one puts way. his foot on the ball all the time as well, which seems yeah. I don't know. Like so I remember Danny Rose watching the Premier League and seeing Danny Rose doing. It just seems an unnecessary thing it's to bad do. Pitch technique that is. It's it's a yeah. safety thing, isn't it? So it's um, it. it it just allows you sort of complete control of the ball if it's a pitch is not so great. So he's played at Tranmere, hasn't he? So I guess that's probably used to used to that. <laughs> Another question we've had on Ricketts Paul, which we've kind of covered, but it's probably just worth getting again. Your, your comments is from Michael Gregg, where you know we, we've talked about the lack of problems in scoring goals, and he's asked specifically, do you think it's because our strikers are not good enough, and would they score more goals at other clubs? I think we've probably talked enough about that tonight to be talking about the problems we have and, and the fact that if you feel sorry for some of our players. The, the players you feel most sorry for are probably the strikers, aren't they? Yeah, strikers just don't have a... <laughs> I can't think of any of these games that you've been to, Andy, in the last few weeks. Can you think of chances that the strikers have missed? Um, Not many. No, Udo could have took one on his left foot up at Donny. He tried to cut back in on his right foot. Uh, if he did take it on his left, he got a shot away. Um, other than that, nothing. Not, nothing. Not much, it must no. be a thankless task, you know. I, yeah. I don't know. You, you begin to start, really. I mean, in, in more expansive teams, you, you'd fancy a Doe, Faye and Cummins, you know, all of them have shown at various clubs at various times in their career, at various levels, that they've got goals in them. You know, you'd fancy in a different tactic that, you know, compared to what we're playing, they go and get goals. I suspect we are probably going to see that with Faye and it's going to frustrate us in, immensely. But um, 
yeah, I, I think they go on to get goals at other clubs. I don't think that, what I what I've said previously is normally we'd have a, a fairly decent enough team in say League Two when we were down there and it'd play nicely and we'd create chances, but we'd have crap strikers who were on loan from somewhere and they just missed chances, wouldn't they? Like you know yeah. Curtis Mains and Ebanks, um, the other Ebanks, whatever his name was. But now we've kind of got the opposite. You would say we've got you know three, four decent enough strikers, but we're just not creating chances for them. It's like we found a new way to totally ruin strikers at Shrewsbury Football Club. So at least Ricketts is innovative. You've got to give him that, I suppose. <laughs> Well, I think you're four strikers. I think uh, Faye and, and Ujo would work well together. They're good friends off the pitch. You know, yeah. I think they would mesh well. Their skill sets sort of interlink well. Um, and whether you start with them or you start with Langdon Cummins, I think they would be a good partnership. But you'd play those two for 70 minutes and bring the other two on and vice versa. Uh, that's the bit that I just don't understand. Mm. You've got two mm. potential fledgling partnerships there that you could use for 70 and 20, whichever way you want to do it. Uh, you know, uh, whoever's... Hotter than hot, and, and do it that way. I just don't understand. But instead, they're all four of them are at times uh, sitting on the bench or, or not on the bench. No, I don't know. What, what else do you think we need to look at on Ricketts Ball, Ollie? Yeah, I was just going back to so what would you so to break this deadlock where we just don't score goals, Andy? What do you think we need to do in either the transfer market or from a, a, a kind of the way that we settle? Obviously, we talked about playing two strikers, so that's one thing we tick off. But I don't know, maybe just the transfer window. What would you like to see? Those players aren't out there. <laughs> you know that's the problem yeah. you've got you've got to you've got to deal with what you've got and it's all right he's obviously he's going to use all his contacts in the game to, to bring those players in but they're not they're not out there otherwise other, other clubs would be you know the likes of Lincoln who have brought players in this week and that's where he's alluding to in terms of resources isn't it that potentially other clubs can offer a bit more money and and have a hold of a bit more sway what would you like to see if you could have anything then if you could have anything what would you have if you could have one player just like not even maybe a name just like a type of player what would you what would you add to this squad the obvious one is the 10 role isn't it that's the obvious yeah. position that we're missing isn't it uh, and just somebody that gets me out of my seat uh, yeah. some sort of attacking player with with pace and uh, with a bit of an end product that that's going to deliver goals and and create chances whether it's a 10 role or out wide i think that's where we we need something Desperately, yeah. just, to, just to lift, just to lift the squad as well. I think, I think the defenders need that. I think the midfielders need that. They need that out ball. They need some pace. It turn teams round. That, that's the thing I think that people fail to realise is because we do have a bit of a lack of pace. Teams can squeeze right up. But they're not, they're not frightened. You know, they're not frightened of the ball over the top because there's nothing to to mm. worry them. The defenders it, can afford to get really tight, so the balls into Udo's feet. They're all contested. They're all. They're all contested. He doesn't have a free trap of the ball. He's got somebody right up him, you know, and it's difficult because they haven't got that threat over the top either. No, it's not good. I mean, we're talking about we're talking about recruitment. We're going to have this as a separate section, but we probably can roll into it now in terms of, you know, looking to bring that player in, that difference maker, to to change that Ricketts ball mentality a little bit. It'll be even more important if, as is now pretty much kind of understood, that Faye is going to go out on loan possibly to Doncaster from all, all, all uh, the sort of understood so far from the sort of rumblings, which is a really odd one for me because one, I, you know, we signed him with a two year deal and I've looked at the article back, you know, I went and looked at when we signed him. I think we've got him as we were supposed to have an option or that it says there's an option. I don't know whether he's got the option, presumably he has looking at it, but so I assume that this is send him out on loan now to avoid him losing him for free in the summer. But well, even if we send him out on loan, we're still not making any money this Christmas, are we? So it's a, it's a really odd one to be sending him out on loan if that's what happens. It is oh. a really odd one. Um, yeah. For me, he's our, for me, I'd argue that, well, he scored 10 goals in the league last year, which is quite a rare thing for a Shrewsbury Town striker. He scored yeah, 16, 16 goals in total. In total. Um, okay, Cummings has got the, scored those goals in his history, but in terms of recent years, for me, he's our best striker. I don't know, would you agree with that, Andy, or do you 
What do you think? What yeah. do you make of Faye? <laughs> yeah, he's he's got it. You know, what, whatever mm, you look for, yeah. whatever you whatever you look for in a striker, is he cool finisher? Is he a fox in the box? Has he got that ability to score goals a little bit out of the ordinary? Yes. Is, is he the hardest worker? No, but I don't want him to be. I don't need him to be. I just want him to score goals. That's all I need. Plays a part of it too, and he'll do the business. Um, he'll be yeah. a he'll be a Tom Bradshaw. He'll be a mm, Andre Gray. God. He'll be. A, I, I, can go, I can go on and on and on. He'll, he'll leave the town and he'll go and score 20 goals a season. Mark oh, my God. words. He's just an actual finisher. He's got what it takes. Yeah. He's got the X factor. He's just been underused, poorly utilised. Um, just I'm gutted to be honest. And the fact that we turned down a huge sum of money last yeah. year on deadline day. You know, and how, how, you know, it's all obviously gone after the Bolton game, hasn't it? I mean, you can read too much into it if you want to, but to get, what did he get, 90 seconds at Bolton? After yeah, watching us that's just play. insulting. Well, exactly, yeah. To the so fans and the player. Yeah, of course it is, yeah, which is why it's come to a head, isn't it? And, and mm. some, something's broken in that regard, doesn't it? And, and we find ourselves weaker for the... For the... It'll probably be one of those ones where he goes out alone, every goal he scores, it's, it's going to put, you know, just what? puts more pressure on, you know, on Ricketts, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? You know, if he's out on loan, yeah, it's, there's no benefit. And if no Dom... benefit at all, is there? There's nothing. Unless we do have this extra option for years, so hoping he'll score goals and we can sell him for some money. But or maybe <sighs> I don't know. For me, I just find it really odd that you know, Faye. You know, as Shrewsbury Town fans, we don't see many strikers, and we've seen strikers, as you said, Glenn. There's like a curse of strikers at Shrewsbury. We bring in strikers and they turn into dog shit. But Fafé was a really genuine goal scorer. And when yep. he played, and remember, he scored 16 goals last year. And he wasn't even in the first team all the time because so John Askey wasn't playing him. He didn't and come then, until October, November, did he? No. Yeah, it's yeah. very, very odd and very frustrating. Um, but there seems to be a lot of odd things going on around the club at the moment because there's a, a topic I'd like us to bring up to. Unless there's anything else you guys want to mention about recruitment? No, I think you're right because we're talking about Doncaster and Faye going to Doncaster. This links into your thing about the fact that Adam Henshaw left Shoestown Football Club to go to Doncaster. So that's obviously where this link's coming from. But there's been comments made this week on it, hasn't he, which have sort of pricked your ears up? Yeah, so... It was the end of the um, the pre um, Lincoln um, Lincoln um, pre match com- press conference with the yeah. press, and um, right at the end he was asked some questions about Adam leaving, um, and Sam Ricketts said we are fine, um, we're fine there. I think the way you've recruited it is something that doesn't need to be replaced. The contacts <laughs> in the game, that's the way we have recruited. Recruit, and he went on to say, recruitment is about people you know. I know a fair amount. He goes on to mention um, his other his other members of staff, and then he ends with, "We know a lot of people," which for me, as someone who I don't know, I really like the idea of like it's really fun actually watch Moneyball in the week. So kind of that using that data in football, yeah. You see all these podcasts and you hear things about how, for example, Brentford are recruiting using data. And we did that podcast with Brian, where Brian was talking about how Adam was identifying players using data. So we yeah, were yeah. a League One team at the cutting edge of kind of recruitment method methods. Now, we don't know whether data is not being used or not, but the fact is that he says the way we recruit is using contacts. And Adam has left and gone to Doncaster, where he's now the head of talent acquisition. For me, that just feels like a big step backwards. We don't have, so we don't we don't have a ta- head of talent acquisition. And when he says we know people, he could have just said we know people at Wolves and left it at that, really, because I'm going to assume that he signs the rest of the 2014-13-14 Wolves squad. Get Leon Clark, Jack Price, uh, get in Ennis back on loan. There was loads of them we could have get. And uh, that might be what we're headed for, guys. We're headed for a repeat of that Wolves team because we've got half of them already. But 
it, it doesn't seem, you know, the thing that I find the most interesting about it is, Ollie, you obviously did that interview with Brian, and he was so hot on Adam and the process and, and how it was working. And he seemed genuinely enthused by the whole thing and that it was a good way forward. And clearly Ricketts has come along and, and Adam's moved on for whatever reason and has decided that that's not what we want to do now. And it is a change of process. And clearly the recruitment has been all right over the last few years. We, we talk about having a good crop of players and maybe it's Ricketts that's holding us back a little bit with this Ricketts ball. But you know, if we don't suddenly get that quality or they're not the sort of good players going forward, it'll be another stick to beat Ricketts with to say, well, why did we change from that process? I don't know, Andy, how it, you know, it's probably very different to your time at football with analysts and all that, but they are pretty important nowadays, aren't they, I think? No, I think Ollie summed it up perfectly. I think good. we're on a, onto a, a winning scent. Um, there's obviously a fundamental difference in, in opinions, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, and, that's, and that's the bit that worries me around Ricketts is his stubbornness because it, it is my way or the highway, isn't it? They seem mm. to be very much around uh, it's, there's only one way and it's going to be my way. What I would say, it's okay saying I've got all these contacts in football, but there's a long-standing saying that will never go away. There is no friends in football. Yeah. There's no friends in this game. And no one's going to bend over backwards to help you out, regardless of your, whether you've played with them for 10 years or you've been with them for five years. And mm. Whether it's Graham Barrow, whether it's Sam Ricketts, it doesn't work like that. So you need mm-hmm. to be careful about thinking that the old, the old mates game is going to come into play because that's not always... Uh, the pathway to success. Money talks, and that's why mm. Carl Morris has gone to MK Dons and he hasn't come back here, even though he's, you know, yeah, well respected. Yeah, I think that's one fans. where he's probably going to go to his old mate at Norwich, Maybe. which is again yeah. a good link to, to friends and stuff. But yeah. for me, the data point as well is this, you know, we've said it quite a few times on the podcast. You take the four leagues from the championship to the national conference, you've got nearly 2,000 players. How are you going to be able to sift through all that? And obviously, data was the way was, was the way to go, and the way we're doing it. So, as you alluded to, if we only can sign players that have either played with Sam Ricketts or played for Wolves, that's a really small pool of players. So we're just limiting our chances. And then, when the pressure gets on and you get to near the end of the January transfer window, you know, in previous years we'd have turned to Adam and you know pull a few full of pull a few gems out of your spreadsheet. Who's going to be doing that this time? It's a little mm. bit of a concern. Well, Faye's the last ASCII signing, isn't he? Left in the team. The call so is nearly complete. And, he's and got it's rid really of him. funny you talk about like the talented people. So obviously Danny Coyne was another player that had to leave, and now he's a he's a goalkeeping coach in the championship. So yeah. it just seems oh, I don't know, it just seems odd. It's, just it's a worry. Another... It's a bit of an odd time at the moment, isn't it, really, with yeah. these results and how it's kind of making everyone look a bit negative at things. I think you know, there are still some positives. We're not gonna go down all that sort of thing, but it's hard to clutch onto that when so much is changing and 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 things are slipping away you do start to kind of get into that panic mode and and yeah it's not good uh, yeah go on Ollie. i don't know if you had anything more to say on that no, but nothing yeah. else to say on john and transfer if you had anything else to say Andy. no i think it's just that um mr henshaw was very quiet upon his departure wasn't he um, yeah uh, danny Coyne was very quiet upon his departure and that normally tells you that they haven't said something along the lines of thanks very much it's you know it's been great all the best and all that <laughs> and there's something they'd rather not say so uh, there's, there's mm. quite a lot in that for me yeah no oh. definitely i thought that as well that the fact there wasn't a nice statement about yeah thanks for your hard work and Ricketts said you know the players who were recruited is through his his contacts yeah. so maybe adam was yeah not being listened to so yeah you can't blame him and yeah hopefully for him he's got a good move and so good luck to the bloke and then yeah, <laughs> looking ahead, I'm struggling to get too optimistic. Well, particularly as we're playing a championship team, yeah. <laughs> for for the for the not only the oh, you know honour I suppose no the 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 carrot that is playing Liverpool at home in the FA Cup, which would be an amazing game for the club. Not only just because they're they're pretty good and it would be a, a sort of national thing, we'd get our name out there a little bit. But you've got over 500 grand riding on that game, and it's an all or nothing game. You know, get knocked out, no prize money, no TV money for the next round, no sellout stadium. No sponsorship, commercial stuff that you might get for the Liverpool game. 
zero. Whereas if you win, you get all that, and it's it's probably five to seven hundred and fifty grand for that, and you know you, you miss out on it. And after these two results now, you do worry a little bit. Um, Having said that, Ricketts has got a pretty good FA Cup record. He has got them up for those games, or these players have been motivated for those games, which is a whole other issue we've talked about before, Ollie. And, um, you know, I, I think that first game this week is is interesting. We could talk about Fleetwood. I, it's it's a it's a whole different ball game now. I'm so unmotivated to go to Fleetwood. I probably will, but um, I don't know. Start with Bristol, lads. I mean, it's, it doesn't seem quite as positive a home home result for the replay now after these last two games no I would, I would expect they would be strong favorites again wouldn't they yeah they on Saturday didn't they yeah like Wigan Wigan 2-0 wasn't yeah. it um yeah I was I can remember buying my ticket for the replay looking forward to it gee whiz um uh, yeah I don't feel like that now <laughs> a week's a long time in football Andy it yeah. is yeah uh, Jesus. yeah I've so, got to yeah. be in um I've got to be in London on Tuesday, but actually, I think my afternoon meeting, I might be able to get cancelled, so I might be able to get back. But yeah, I'm not really too sure about this. And and to be honest, if we do play Liverpool, it could be really embarrassing um, scoreline. So <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice if we yeah, got through. And I'm sure, but then again, the players would probably try really hard against Liverpool, and we probably would maybe put in a quite a brave performance. But yeah, I'm not really sure what's going to happen there. I'm actually probably more worried about the weekend, to be honest, because yeah, Fleetwood we need to win. Absolutely battered us. Um, so in terms of predictions, let's do that. I'll go first. No way we're going to score. Um, absolutely no <laughs> chance we'll score away at Fleetwood. Um, I'm go. I was. I was unsure to go for two nil or three nil. Um, Jeez, Ollie. I think I'm going to go for a two nil win to Fleetwood. Oh dear. I, I, I'll go. Uh, you know, on the principle that we have to score some goals at some point in the season. I'll go for us to lose. I think we'll lose three one. I, I I think that I, I hate to say it, but I think Joe Barton's quite an effective manager, and Fleetwood's the sort of club he's going to do quite well at, and he's he's got them going all right, hasn't he? So I'll go for us to lose three one. I, I probably will go. We, we might have an away sports game on the way up at Preston, um, but we've got a lot of injuries, so that might get cancelled. But even if it does, I'll probably end up there. But um, more out of habit than than hope at the moment, I think. Andy, what do you reckon, Fleetwood away? Um, yeah, I'm, well, I'm staying at Centre Park, which is about an hour away, and I was always always planning to go. Um, that plan's been rescinded, and I, I will not be going. Um, and I predict a nil-nil. Nil-nil. Yeah, and, uh, Fleetwood are not doing amazing, amazing at the moment, but, but we, don't, we don't have the resources that they've got, do we? So, you know, that's, we take that nil-nil. We can't open up against these teams, but I bet we create a lot no, of good no. situations. <laughs> good good oh, point on dear. the road. Well, that's that's a depressing place to leave this podcast, Andy. But um, yeah, I think it's probably fair. Um, and who knows what's going to happen? This window is quite important now, isn't it? And we'll we'll keep talking about it in the future podcast. But yeah, it's been a long one, really. But it's been a it's been an interesting week, I think, Ollie. So it probably warranted an all, a, a, a lot a late one, really. Um, go on, sorry, Andy. Was it? I think I think Tuesday is important in regards to the window, though, isn't it? Because if you do get that revenue, uh, then it then it changes the parameters. Doesn't yeah, it? definitely. You know, you know, so I think that. Tuesday has more sort of side effects than you probably acknowledge at the time, to be honest. So I think Tuesday's massive in a, for a whole realm of reasons. True enough. You know? yeah. And, yeah, true uh, enough. And, and Finley could be mascot for the Liverpool game if we got through. So it's, yeah. It is oh, it's all your little lad, yeah. That'd be good. Yeah. Oh, nice one. Oh, there you go. That's the sort of insight that we were, we were after when bringing you on the podcast, Andy. So uh, we're going to wrap this one up now. <laughs> and we will thank you for joining us and, and bringing us a little bit of that side of having been a professional footballer. It is, it is great to get that kind of extra bit on there. And me and Ollie just sit here and rant most nights about what we feel like. So it's been, it's been great. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, no worries, chaps. It's been good. Good, good man. Cool. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week, Ollie, won't we, to talk about uh, well, the two games, what it'll be, won't it? So we're, yeah. we're hoping for more positive results, mate, but Fingers crossed. <laughs> not confident. No. Cheers, guys. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.